You're listening to Grounded, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy. Welcome, Grounded listeners. I am your host, Erica Hirsch. And in this episode, we sit down with Jessica Rikers. Jessica is Odo's Energy, Technology, and Policy Manager here at Odo, and what I deem an EV expert. We discuss the very first biennial zero emission report, or what we like to call, lovingly call, the buys of, and how to make it work for you. I guarantee by the end of this podcast, you'll know the difference between the different types of electric vehicles, where to find them, why to even go electric, and how to shop for your very own. This includes incentives and all those consumer goodies. As always, please forgive any audio challenges. We are still conducting all interviews remotely. Let's listen. Okay, welcome, Jessica. I am so glad you're here with me today on Grounded. Let's jump right in. Can you please introduce yourself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here as well. I'm Jessica Rikers. I manage the technology and policy section at the uh, Department of Energy. And um, I've been there for about, oh my gosh, my, my anniversary with the agency was on October 1st. So I've just past seven years at the Woo, congratulations yeah that's exciting I didn't yeah, even think that's a big that. one seven years yeah well great I um I invited you today because there's uh you know lots of things going on in the world of electric vehicles zero emission vehicles uh however you you want to say it what what your 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 vehicle type is we are just coming off this is um when I say that is Odo the submission or announcement launch of the 2021 biennial zero emissions vehicle report and full disclosure i did have the opportunity to help work on this which is so great but jessica is our ev guru our leader when it comes to this and i really wanted to sit down with her not in a working back and forth mode but just getting to pick her brain so first of all, this report, I want to say we we dropped it. It dropped on September 15th, <laughs> and this was our first one, correct? It was. It was the inaugural biennial zero emission vehicle report, or BISEV, because we have BISEV. to do everything in an acronym. So Of course, of course. So can you tell us how it came to be? Who asked us to do it? Who Who wants this? Why did we do it? Yeah, um, absolutely. So the the legislature asked us to do this. Um, it, this was back in 2019. They passed Senate Bill 1044, uh, which did a number of things. It it established electric vehicle adoption targets for the state. Um, probably uh, probably the biggest part of that bill. Um, only slightly less important was the um, ask for the department to produce this uh, biennial report on zero emission vehicle. Um, adoption and it's really asking to look at what's the state of zero emission vehicles in in Oregon to help inform like are we going to achieve those targets and um, what kinds of, of barriers are out there to people driving more of these zero emission vehicles or what kinds of opportunities lie out there as well so and if you don't mind I I'll just you know briefly talk about that whole zero emission vehicles versus electric yes. vehicles like, I was what? yeah I was <laughs> I was gonna ask you if I <laughs> I, you know, my head swims around it and people ask me, so please do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, and we use them very interchangeably in, in Oregon in particular. Um, and in fact, most places in, in the United States probably do the same because um, all electric vehicles are zero emission vehicles, but not all zero emission vehicles are electric vehicles. 
And what I mean by that is electric vehicles comprise things like a battery electric vehicle. So often people think about a Tesla or a Bolt, things where mm -hmm. it runs entirely off of electricity um, from a battery that's in your car. And um, so the battery is, um, is fueling the vehicle at all times. And they also have what are known as plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. And these have a battery that can fuel the car. So electricity is, is your fuel, but they also can switch to a, a gasoline or sometimes a diesel engine to run the vehicle. So they plug in and they can operate only off the battery. They can sometimes run in what they call hybrid mode, which is using the battery mm -hmm. to supplement the gas. Mm -hmm. Um, or they can uh, run solely off of the gasoline, uh, but they're called plug-in hybrids because you can plug them in. So don't, um, people often confuse that with, well, uh, a Prius is a, is a hybrid, so it must be an electric vehicle, but not in the way that we define them because it doesn't have a plug to charge that battery. The, um, the last kind of a zero emission vehicle is a fuel cell electric vehicle. And often these are referred to as hydrogen vehicles. So what they do is they use hydrogen as a fuel source. And that hydrogen is converted into electricity, which, which actually powers the vehicle. And um, you need hydrogen fueling stations in order to be able to use those. And we don't have any in Oregon. So um, all zero emission vehicles would include those battery electric vehicles, those plug-in hybrid vehicles, and those hydrogen vehicles. But electric vehicles only include those battery electric and the plug-in hybrid. So it gets confusing. And honestly, just think electric. That's what I always sure. do. Worry about all yeah. The yeah. For, let's pause. If we can pause for a second, can we get a little sciency? How does the how does the hydrogen? How do, can you tell us a little bit more how that works? And you said that that there aren't any at this time in Oregon. Uh, we don't need to go too far into it, but are there any in the country so far? Yeah. So getting sciency with it. That's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's do it. So, so fuel cell electric vehicle um, motors. And actually work by taking in hydrogen. And when you split up that hydrogen, you're actually going to produce electrons. There's there's more to it than that, but you will you will produce electrons, and those electrons are actually what we consider to be electricity. Mm -hmm. uh, and that electricity is what what powers the vehicle. Uh, the other interesting thing about hydrogen fuel cell vehicles is that the other byproduct that they have is water. So when you split that hydrogen off and then you mix it with the oxygen in the air, yeah. you get hydrogen and oxygen combining to form water. So um, a lot of times when those vehicles are demonstrated, people will actually drink the water that's coming out of the quote unquote tailpipe of the vehicle because it's it's perfectly clean and it's not interacting with anything uh, too gross. So yeah, <laughs> I guess yeah. it is Some acceptable. <laughs> I'll have to find maybe that on YouTube and post it. Uh, when I when we publish this episode, somebody definitely thought of that as some great showmanship. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so how would you how would you you know bunny bunny quotes or air quotes um, fill up your car? Would there be an option when you pull into the gas station? You hit the hydrogen button. How how would that work? Yeah, they they won't have hydrogen at the at the gas stations. Um, they they have hydrogen at fueling stations designed explicitly to mm -hmm. fuel vehicles like this, gotcha. and and they have some in California. Uh, I believe they have one now up in or are close to having one up in the Seattle area as well. 
Um, so the the issue then becomes, you know, you can find gasoline at almost any corner and getting a hold of gasoline for a vehicle is not a challenge for most folks, um, but hydrogen would be. Um, even in California, where they have a number of stations, it, it may not make sense for someone to drive a hydrogen vehicle if they're not living pretty close to one of those hydrogen fueling areas. So. Um, that's that's the challenge with hydrogen, but it does offer a lot of great opportunities as well. Uh, we know that when it comes to vehicles that make short trips, short round trips all the time. So that's like most people, we, we go to work and we come back home or we drive yeah. to the grocery store and we come back home. You know, that's a great opportunity for an electric vehicle. You can plug into the wall at your at your house or if um, you don't have that plug. Hopefully you can plug into a charging um, place nearby where you live uh, when you're not using the car. And so it, it, it makes sense when it comes to something like long haul trucking, where these vehicles get out on the road, and they might drive across the entire country. They might drive different routes all the time. Um, those need some kind of regular fueling opportunities to be able to convert to a different type of fuel. So for hydrogen, um, Hydrogen would be a great opportunity for those vehicles because we know that we can develop fuel cells that could could pull those long, big, heavy right. rigs. But uh, getting the fueling infrastructure in place um, is going to be a challenge and, and the first step that would need to happen to make that really effective. So, um, yeah. yeah, definitely some opportunities there. Uh, but I think that uh, electric vehicles make more sense when you're talking about the everyday vehicles you and I drive around. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I, you know, I really wanted to pause on it. So I have the report open, the buys of, as you stated, open, and I'm looking through some of the content here and there is a lot. Can you share with us some of the, what you feel are the main sections for, for a person like me, like my mom, like, you know, my friends, even my son, my son is 17, uh, that you would really recommend them to dive in and uh, take a look at just to educate yourself what's going on with uh, electric vehicles in Oregon. And if you're, you're looking to purchase one or if you just want to learn more. Yeah. So I guess the first question is, um, where are the electric vehicles? So we have a section in the report on what types of vehicles have electric platforms. Um, and, and so that gets into where we see the most electric vehicles available today is really in that passenger vehicle sector. Uh, most sedans that um, uh, you and I drive, there's an electric version of that in some way, shape or form available that you could you could purchase um, today. Uh, if if you were interested in that. Um, we have some vans and SUVs are becoming increasingly available in an electric format. There aren't any pickup trucks yet, mm -hmm. but those are coming. Um, Rivian, who um, is sort of like the Tesla of trucks, I guess you could, you could say, they're the startup company that wants to build electric vehicles and they're focusing on trucks and SUVs. They actually, their first uh, pickup truck came off the assembly line in September, not long after we put this report out. Um, so they've, they've got some coming off the line that are actually going to go out to customers here very soon if they have not already. Um, and Ford is going to ramp up production on their electric version of a pickup truck starting early next year. And they're anticipating rolling those off by the end of the year. So pickup trucks aren't quite available, but they're they're almost there. They're just on the cusp. They're coming. Yep. Much, much sooner than, than it has been before. The, the Ford model was, is that the lightning? 
that I've been reading about? Lightning. Yep. That's the one. Okay. Yeah, you can go online and see um, a video of it pulling a, a big freight train just by itself. Um, cool. <laughs> it's amazing. That's, I mean, that's really like, yes, what fun parts there are to read about the, the electric vehicles, just, you know, how powerful they are and the fact that they are, they're not, um, they're not wimpy cars. I think sometimes people are under the misconception that driving electric means having to give up things like having power and and um, being able to accelerate when you need to. And it's exactly the opposite. You can accelerate on a dime in an electric vehicle. And, um, we find that when people drive electric vehicles, once they've driven one, they're super excited about uh, about buying one and, and driving it as their main vehicle. Nice. So, so learning about what, where are the electric vehicles? Where are they? What are they? What would you recommend next? So then the next thing that I would go look at is um, what are, what are electric vehicles? Why are we going electric? Like if we've got these internal combustion engine vehicles out there, why would we want to uh, spend time and resources trying to figure out how to drive a different kind of car? And the main reason is that we know greenhouse gas emissions, which, um, contribute to and are the main reason we're having climate change right now, uh, that our main source of this is our transportation sector. So in Oregon, um, 40% of our emissions come from the transportation sector. And of that 40%, almost 60% of those emissions are just from passenger vehicles alone. So when you think about the questions of what can I do to address climate change in my life, uh, driving an electric vehicle is a big deal because you can really affect your emissions um, right off the go by going electric. And what's even more beautiful about driving an electric vehicle is once you start driving it, that the emissions associated with that vehicle will continue to get cleaner and cleaner. And you might ask, well, what are you talking about? I thought it was a zero emission vehicle. Well, when you use electricity for fuel, you do still have some emissions, right? They, it comes from how is the electricity used to fuel that car generated. Sure, and created in the first place, right, exactly. yeah. And we have in Oregon really one of the, the cleanest um, mixes of energy, which I'll, I'll plug uh, for our department, the electricity resource mix uh, that our agency puts together and puts out, can show you what exactly is in our, our mix. Um, and we have coal, we have natural gas, we also have solar and wind, and we have a lot of hydropower. Uh, hydropower, solar, and wind, these are zero emission sources of electricity generation. So where you're powering your vehicle and that's that's the source of it, you're going to have lower emissions. When you have coal or natural gas in those electricity, um, in that electric fuel, then you are going to have some emissions associated with your vehicle, not there right. at the tailpipe, but mm-hmm. at the front. And what's really cool is for those folks who live in areas um, that are served by some of our consumer and utilities that are full Bonneville Power Administration um, supplied utilities, which is a lot of our consumer and utilities. Mm -hmm. That power is really clean most of the year, uh, especially when we've got plenty of hydro like in the spring and early summer um, that you could be driving 95 even higher um, percent clean electricity off of that car. And for those people who live in areas where their utility might still have gas and natural gas and coal in their mix, all the utilities in Oregon have committed to decarbonizing. And so you don't have to do a thing. Just keep driving your car and your utility is going to continue to get cleaner and cleaner emissions out of you driving that vehicle. I love that. What would you say next? Yeah, so 
Um, one of the questions that I get about electric vehicles often is, well, aren't they more expensive? And the short answer is yes. Um, most electric vehicles that are new are more expensive than their internal combustion engine counterparts. And I think it's really important to point out counterparts. So we really try to, in this report, look at the same type of vehicle with the same type of trim level, or you can think of that as accessory level, um, in an electric form as well as in an internal combustion engine form. Um, and yeah, they're still a little more expensive to buy that vehicle, but that cost is coming down. And an interesting thing we found that honestly, I didn't even expect when we started to do the analysis was when you can use the incentives that are available from both the federal government and the state government, you can reduce down your upfront costs of that vehicle often to less than the internal combustion engine counterpart. And when you finance that vehicle at certain rates, uh, you can actually pay less every year of ownership for the electric vehicle compared to its internal combustion engine counterpart. We even found that when we compared a Bolt, a Chevy Bolt, which is an mm -hmm. all battery electric vehicle, to its internal combustion engine counterpart, which I think was a Trax, um, that Bolt only was eligible for the state rebates, not eligible for the federal tax incentive because the GM is no longer eligible to get to provide those incentives to folks. So they had half of their amount of rebate available to them or half their amount of incentive available to them, and they still were able to pay less over the course of owning that vehicle, um, which was just amazing. I didn't expect that. So, um, and if you pay for your vehicle in cash up front, um, mm -hmm. The first year, you'll probably pay more money than for the internal combustion engine, but then they quickly start to pay for themselves. And how they pay for themselves is through operations of that vehicle. That includes the maintenance and the fueling of that vehicle. So maintenance, you don't have to replace, like do oil changes in an electric vehicle. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do a lot of the fluid replacements that you would have to do in an internal combustion engine vehicle. Um, and even the braking systems will probably not um, be worn down as quickly because most electric vehicles use a, um, a braking system that actually reduces wear and tear on not only your brakes, but on the tires themselves. They're heavier, so there's some indication that your tires could potentially wear out faster, um, but there's no really great data on that. So, you know, they're cheaper to, to maintain and the fueling costs are much, much lower when you can access fuel through your home utility. So if you can plug your vehicle in at home, you're gonna pay about a third to a fourth of what you would pay in gasoline for the same amount of, of energy to go that distance. The electric vehicle really does offer opportunities. Over time, they pay for themselves. Um, the question is that that upfront cost and being able to, to manage that is not, um, not something that everyone has the ability to do. Right. So what would you recommend with with a consumer consumer looking into this? Because I know that you are an a um, proud owner. So the first place I direct people to is goelectric.oregon.gov. Um, this is a web page that was um, put together by the state um, in 2018 to help inform people about electric vehicles. And the Oregon Department of Energy maintains that website. And I think, Erica, you are primarily responsible for maintaining that website. <laughs> I am. And honest, honestly, I did set that up. <laughs> <laughs> 
everything you started talking about. I was like, yes, that absolutely. <laughs> so yes, thank well, you. And I'll, I'll add that we do add, um, keep updated the most current incentives and all that sort of information that buyers would need, shoppers. Yep, and those incentives are really important um, to make sure you're, you're armed with that education when you go out to buy that vehicle. So, um, so that most folks know the state offers two different rebates. The first rebate is up to $2,500 eligible for anyone who, who lives in Oregon um, off the cost of a, an electric vehicle or zero emission vehicle. And DEQ runs that program. $2,500 is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Then if you fall into the low and moderate income category, which DEQ has a, a website up that can, can tell you how to calculate that, but you'd be surprised. A lot of people actually do qualify who might not consider themselves to be moderate income. Um, you can get an additional up to $2,500 right now, uh, beginning on January 1st, that changes. Um, there was a bill that passed this year that updated that amount to up to $5,000. And so, yes. right? <laughs> so that's with those two rebates, if you're eligible, that would be up to $7,500 in rebates that you can get. And some dealers actually offer the first rebate, the twenty-five up to $2,500 one on the hood. So you wouldn't ever have to pay it and get paid back. It would just come right sure. off the cost of your vehicle. Nice. And DEQ, I know, is working to do something similar with that other rebate as well. And then last, there's federal tax credit. So that's up to an additional $7,500 in tax credits for uh, the purchase of an electric vehicle. So all told, if you're eligible, you could get up to $15,000 off the cost of an electric vehicle. That's massive. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. And and having said that, you know, I want to be really upfront. There, there's some issues with that. One is um, that tax credit. Um, let's say that you you are eligible for the tax credit. Not everyone is. Some people don't have enough um, uh, tax liability to even get the full amount. So we found that the median, Oregon median income would just barely be able to get that full $7,500. But anyone making less than that, which I think was around $68,000 a year or somewhere in there, mm -hmm. um, they would not be um, able to get that full $7,500 because they just wouldn't owe that much in taxes. Yeah, those are good points and things to think about for shoppers. Um, absolutely do your homework and research. I know that also there are some killer deals on used used electric vehicles and option. It seemed like there there just weren't a lot of those available. We, um, there's a, a co-worker that bought one. So, so there's options, but yeah, good things to think about. Not every way to purchase one is going to be the, the right fit for, for everyone. And I bought a used one and Ooh, um, nice that it's a great opportunity and um, to buy a, a used electric vehicle. And I will, I want to add a couple things. One is talk to your utility, your electric utility. Many of them have um, other incentives they offer, or in some cases they might not have an incentive on the car, but they would incentivize you putting in um, charging at your home. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely talk to your electric utility and um, you know, just, just keep in mind that uh, there's there are those used options out there. I, I can't speak enough about um, the first one of the first recipients of our state EV leadership uh, governor's awards uh, was Platt Automotive. Mm -hmm. They're out of Milwaukee and they they specialize only in used uh, electric vehicle sales. So there's, you know, a lot of people that are really getting involved in this used um, vehicle, getting those out to communities and different people. But honestly, they're just 
EVs are so popular now. They're just, you know, running right out of those yeah. dealerships as fast as they can go. So yeah, I believe it. Great stuff. Uh, thank you for that. So I, I think we'll kind of wrap up the report section with those goals and targets. How, how is Oregon doing? So the first goal that we had set was to achieve 50,000 electric vehicles by the end of 2020. And we didn't quite hit that mark, but there's a lot of really good reasons to be excited about um, um, trying to achieve the goals for the future. So mm -hmm. the first thing is, as of July, we were at about just shy of 40,000, 39,520. So we're, we're almost at that 40,000 mark. And electric vehicles are actually like all all vehicles kind of went down a little bit during COVID, but right. not as much as internal combustion engine vehicles. EVs actually um, held on to more of the market share. So um, that means, you know, per the amount of vehicles sold, electric vehicles didn't have quite the drop that internal combustion did. And every month we seem to be adding around 1,000 to 1,500 EVs to, to our registration records, and that's fantastic. So it won't take us too long to get to that 50,000. And there's been, you know, we see these bumps in electric vehicle sales when new vehicles that people are excited about come out. So uh, a perfect example of this was Tesla's Model 3. Mm -hmm. We saw a huge rise in electric vehicle adoption when that car came out. And recently they came out with their Model Y, which we're beginning. The data is just now kind of coming in on that. It takes a little bit of time for that to filter through. Uh, and it looks like that also will have bumped up sales a little bit. But you mentioned earlier that Ford F-150 Lightning. I am mm -hmm. so interested to see what happens with registrations when that vehicle becomes available. Um, I have a feeling there'll be a very strong signal in the data after that vehicle comes out. I am with you. Um, <laughs> in, in a past life, I worked for a Ford dealership. And so I have a soft spot for Fords and for, for the F-150 in particular. So just seeing them go forward and with a selling uh, pickup truck in America. So yeah, I'm excited too. We'll see. And, you know, with Oregon and the needs of Oregon with farmers and uh, the, you know, rural and eastern side, southern side, they've been needing this. They've been asking for this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, uh, pickup trucks are very popular. They make up 25% of total vehicle registrations in, in Oregon. So we know that they are probably the most popular vehicle, um, if you had to look at them individually, that exists in, in Oregon. So, And they have so many options that are available to them, like towing capacity and just sure. the to, to move things. Like you're always looking for that friend who's got to pick up when you have to move. So um, you know, electric <laughs> just give you more power to move your buddy's uh, stuff from yep. one house to another. So, yep. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So then with our goals and targets that we're, it sounds like we're not quite there, but there's some some really good things. What do you see for this next what do we have uh, two years until this next report? I'm really excited to see a few things. One. Um, our sister agency, the Oregon Department of Transportation, spent the last year and a half working out their Transportation Electrification Infrastructure Needs Analysis Study, or TINA, mm -hmm. um, way easier to say. Um, and that TINA study took a look at what kinds of charging infrastructure would we in Oregon need to have in place in order to achieve the, the different goals that the state has. So. Our next goal is by 2025 to have 250,000 registered electric vehicles. That's that's a big jump. That's five times as much as 2020. 
Um, and we know after ODOT completed that TINA study, we need charging in a lot of places we don't have it. So um, multi-unit dwellings, so places where people live in apartments or condominiums, often don't have access to charging in those areas. Um, you can charge at you know, a simple 110 outlet, so your basic outlet at your house. But where people park for a lot of those places, those, those outlets aren't necessarily ready, readily available, one. Two, you know, how does the, the owner of the building um, make sure that the charges for that, that electric fuel actually go to the person who is using it, that there has to be something in place for that. And um, so it, it's really important that we figure out ways to get charging for those those types of, of Oregonians who live in the, that type yeah. of housing. And there's options. There's, you know, you can go and you can put in charging um, and, and some places have already started to do that. Um, there's also publicly available charging. So being able to use some of those faster chargers that exist out where, um, you know, maybe you go to the store or in a nearby um uh, mall or or shopping outlet or something like that to to meet your daily fueling needs. And then we also know that workplace charging has a huge role to play in supporting more electric vehicles out there. So if you can't charge at home, but they they can add charging to your your work, then that would meet the needs of most people to be able to to drive on on a daily basis. So workplace charging is something that is um, not very common right now. And and mm -hmm. I know that that ODOT um, working with us, the Oregon Department of Transportation working with us and their um, their partners are thinking about, you know, what are some ways that we can, we can help support more workplace charging in the state of Oregon. And then the last thing I'd flag is really that, that fast charging that you need to get around the state and yeah. not just for travel. Um, and, and by the way, I've driven my electric vehicle from Oregon all the way down to uh, southwestern Colorado in the mm. middle of winter, and I had no problem getting charging. Um, it was never an issue. It did take a little bit longer um, to make my way because I do have to I do have to stop and wait for the the battery to fill up, which it takes a little bit longer than filling up a gas tank. But um, with vehicles coming out now and the bigger chargers being available, that difference in time is going to get shorter and shorter. Sure. Sure. But How did you like, find those stops? Yeah, you know, it takes when you get when you start to drive an electric vehicle, you get really used to working with apps on your phone yeah. a lot or your car. Um, your car or phone are usually your best places for it, and they can tell you where those places are. There is signage available, but the signage isn't always obvious, and it's not, you know how you see on those blue signs when you're traveling around, like it says food at this exit, go sure, here. Yeah. I love those exit. signs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're great signs and they're super helpful when you're like, oh my gosh, I'm starving. I need a, I need a hamburger, but they don't have electric vehicles on the, on the sign because the sign actually is, is really directing people towards gas and diesel. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you have to look for those tiny little blue signs with a little EV charger on them. That sometimes says EV on it and sometimes it doesn't. And it's just not as, as easy to work with as, as our gasoline structure is today, but the apps are fantastic. And in fact, my car, and I think most cars now, it yells at me if I, <laughs> on my way back on that trip, um, it started telling me I, I needed to slow down from, you know, the the speed I was driving down the freeway if I wanted to get to the certain charger with with fuel left. So the car tells you too, like, hey, nice. you're you're starting to run out of juice, slow it down. Um, and that's the other thing too, is like with an electric vehicle, if you really are starting to run low, 
um, and you're and you're going to be a little late to your destination. Just slow down. Um, it, that battery will get you there. You might have to get there going slow, but it'll get you there. So, so interesting. That's yeah. so interesting. You pull up like a snail. You're like, but I made it. <laughs> I made it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to have to get towed to the charger. Yeah. But yes. Most cars tell you, and and you've got a lot of information at your fingertips, so it's it's not nearly as um, um, disconcerting as as you might think at the outset. Great. So for listeners, I'll find some great resources on the apps that Jessica just mentioned, and I'll have them listed for you guys. Absolutely. And then I would just say, you know, looking forward to the next report and then meeting that goal in 2025. I'm just excited to see what kinds of electric vehicles are coming out. Um, you know, we talked about the Ford F-150, but the Hummers are starting to go with electric versions. Um, we're seeing bigger and bigger SUVs out every day. And these are cars that people like to drive. So I'm very excited to see what adoption looks like in two years. Like, where do we see the biggest growth in electric vehicles? And um, where do we see people driving them? We know we see much more um, electric vehicle adoption in our metropolitan areas and not as much in the rural areas. I'll be interested to see if that changes at all with with these bigger trucks and more utilitarian out there. So there's just, I don't know, I, I think it's just so interesting to see how things play out over time. So looking at where adoptions are occurring and what types of vehicles are out there and really looking toward that, what's going to happen with other vehicles? Like yeah. we have our first electric school bus in the state started operating in February um, of this year. And several of our transit agencies are, are operating electric vehicles, electric buses, transit buses right now. And, and there's opportunities out there for so many other things. It's just, it's, it's mind blowing. Like it, it took us so much time just to research what, what's out there that's electric versus what's, what doesn't have an electric option yet. Like yeah, it took so yeah. much time just to figure that out. So that's great to hear. Electricity is coming almost everywhere at this point. Everywhere. Hearing that, how are we as a state doing in comparison to other states? And Oregon is usually usually does pretty well when it comes to, to green energy. Are we are we a leader? Are we do we still need to catch up when it comes to the EVs? And I, I love that you brought up electric school buses and transit. Yeah, absolutely. Oregon is a leader. Um, yeah, that's great. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt about that. And we're not biased at all, but um, Oregon <laughs> is absolutely a leader. We regularly rank at the top of different types of rankings on, on states around electric vehicle support, um, electric vehicle adoption rates. Um, we uh, have, I believe we even showed that we have the highest market um, penetration, so the highest number of, of sales uh, percent sales of compared to all vehicles other than California and, and California is like practically another country. So sure. the way yeah. that I, I like to think about it is like, we're the number one state. That's just a regular old state. That's, state that's, yeah. <laughs> and um, right up there with us is, is our, is our sister state, Washington. So, you know, that whole Western seaboard, it's great because there's just so much support for electric vehicles, whether it comes to the charging infrastructure or the availability of vehicles, it's just much easier to get a hold of them um, it, living out in Oregon and other West Coast states. So we are absolutely leaders in it. We are, uh, it would take me so long to go through all the, the um, agreements that we've signed on to, to meet certain mm -hmm. adoption targets, um, to to provide um, these rebates. That was, that was some other goal. Had. 
um, there's just there's a lot that that the state of Oregon does that that a lot of other states, you know, people don't necessarily have that kind of access to. And, and that's something that I think is really wonderful for for everyone in Oregon, the rebates, um, the focus on getting charging out there, the the targets, you know, let's set some goals for ourselves and, yeah. and try and, and meet those. Like These are just things that um, I think is just really fortunate and and shows incredible foresight for for Oregon to be able to to work on all of these things. I agree. Well said. Well, with that, I think it is a great time to wrap up. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Go out and drive an EV. You know, people are dealerships are are always doing ride and drives. Auto dealers are utilities bring ride and drives in every once in a while. It, get behind the wheel of one of those babies in, and you won't uh, you won't look back. I promise. I love it. Yes. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's it for us today, folks. I hope you are just as excited about EVs as we are. And please check out our episode page on energyinfo.gov. I have fun information there about Jessica and all the resources you need to access the Bizev and get going on your own EV. Um, the other fun things we talked about, like someone drinking water from a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle uh, YouTube video I found that as well. So thank you for joining me. And until next time, stay grounded.